Yes, it's another episode of What the Football. I'm Patrick Gilbert, and with me, unfortunately, as always, is Con Taylor. How are you, Con? I'm Unai Emery. I mean, I'm very good, Pat. How are you? Conveniently unable to be here today is fellow Gooner Liam. However, we are very happy to have Sanjay, our Manchester United voice, join us in his place today. Sanjay, welcome. Thanks, Pat, for having me on again. Uh, it was a pleasure last time. Not so much of a pleasure listening to the or watching the football over the weekend, but it's one of those weeks. I was really glad Manchester United lost because otherwise Con would... So now, now Con would <laughs> his banter that... around. And uh, to tell us a bit more about yourself, Sanjay. So you, you're a Manchester United supporter in, you're in Australia, but you haven't yeah. always lived here, have you? No, I used to live in the uh, in England. Before that, I used to live in Kenya. So, I mean, I've been a Manchester United supporter for probably 30, 35 years now. So, fair amount of time. You know, I've seen them go through their ups and downs. And uh, right now, I think it's a rebuilding phase again for us. Uh, so, a little bit on the down at the moment, but we'll get there. That's good, mate. That's good. Um, It was a interesting weekend as they have been in the first three weeks so far and now only four teams remain undefeated can you two guess who they are liverpool fc liverpool ladies liverpool under 23 and the liverpool u team mate this is going to be unbearable this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but i got two i got two of you to deal with now one a united and arsenal so it's even better you got one of them white right con, so Liverpool. Undefeated. City. Who else is undefeated? Yeah, City. Yep, easy too. Burnley. Wrong, because the mighty Gunners beat them. Ah, oh, you are right, you are right, you are right. Four undefeated teams. Is uh, Wolves undefeated? Uh, Wolves yes. the hard one. Well done, Con. Yeah. There's one in the middle there, which shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but they... Yes, go on. Think what you about had Leicester? Are they still undefeated or did they lose one? Yeah, you're right, two draws and a win. Congratulations. Really? And Wolves have three draws. So Have they had three draws, have they? They've had three draws. Wow. You hear that music on? I love it. Do you know what this means? David Louise is back. WTF moment. <laughs> Yes, these are the moments that made us sit up and go, what the football, as we are watching it. Who wants to kick us off today? Sanjay or Khan, what were your WTF moments? Happy to, happy to chime in, get one off the, uh, one off the bat straight away. But uh, I must say, quite surprised, a little bit, I suppose. Um, and not surprised at the same time, but still a WTF moment to see a, a team come to Anfield and completely change the way they are used to playing each and every week. Well, oh, you're, so, you're rubbish. You're behind the times now, mate. Arsenal <laughs> change every second week. Oh, is that, is that how it works? It has brought us, yes. We so don't, people aren't special. <laughs> I thought it was just something special he did at Anfield because I tell you what, he uh, definitely set up 
a uh, extremely defensive formation, uh, allowing us space down the wings. Thought it was interesting. I thought it could have worked actually, Pat. To be fair, jokes aside, Arsenal probably had the better chances in the opening exchanges, and Pepe Le Pew unfortunately fluffed his lines, and uh, so did Obama Yang. So. When you're playing the European champions and you don't take your chances, you eventually get punished. And yeah, I was surprised by Emery's tactics. But again, like I say, surprised and not surprised at the same time. But it probably shows where Arsenal are in their journey. And at the same time, you know, four years into Klopp's uh, reign, it's starting to really take shape as to how difficult Liverpool are to beat at home. That's 42 games. Um, undefeated at Anfield, which is two years. So not an easy place to come. Okay. Let's get this over and done with then, Con. You've tried to start this <laughs> conversation four times already. We're five minutes in the podcast. So let's talk a bit about Liverpool, uh, Liverpool Arsenal. Yes, uh, thank you. Right. So, yeah, uh, I was a bit surprised as well with going with the uh, – the formation that we did, which basically just just basically invited your wing backs forward, didn't it? And and yes. it said we are going to try and hit you on the counter attack, and 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 you're right, it it actually almost almost uh, came to fruition because it. And I think as an Arsenal supporter, if you look at it in the cold hard daylight, you go, well, we are exactly where we are meant to be right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know why there seems to be a commentary after this game about how poorly Arsenal may have performed or how far we are behind Liverpool as though it's some surprise. We we are never expecting at the moment to go to Liverpool and beat them. And and if any of us were, and I know, Sanjay, we've got a few friends that were possibly looking forward to the game, <laughs> but, but that's more optimistic. That's, that's more fans going, oh, yeah, we're a chance. And we are a chance, but we're, we are expected at the moment, given where we are, to go to Liverpool and hopefully put up a good fight. And and if we if you look on the on the plus side of things, we showed a, enough to say that we are moving forward from where we were last year and possibly the year before in the performance we put against Liverpool, where we just looked completely completely outclassed and clueless for almost the whole ninety minutes. At least, as you said, Con, in the first half. Sure, we're a bit defensive, but we looked as though we had that finishing touch. We looked as though we had that danger where Liverpool had reason to actually fear us sometimes. And if we, and I guess that's the next step. Now, now we're dangerous, but we're not as good, and we're we're still a level or two below Liverpool and Manchester City. And 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 we're, we're building, and so we still need to fix the defence. People complain about David Luiz, but seriously, we bought him for eight million because our captain left. But we weren't deliberately planning on shopping around and getting the best centre back in the competition. We were desperate, and for eight million, we've got someone that'll hopefully just be a stopgap for twelve, eighteen months while we while while we find that defender that we actually need, or those couple of defenders. Mm. But the tactics were intriguing because what do they say? Uh, if when as soon as you go. <clears throat> Who go that sort of formation, and 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 you're trying to deny the opposition the central corridor, and you're pushing them wide. That that's a bit of a a white flag type of approach where you say, yeah, we're we're just going to 
push you wide and hope hope that all you can do is cross a ball in and we're just going to try and hit you on the counter. And, and what, what that's also saying is that we don't think our midfield is as strong as Liverpool's midfield. Yeah, yeah. Which which is an interesting one. Um, who were your midfielders that started, Con? Uh, so you had Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho. Yeah, so they're three very powerful combative midfielders, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, you and Fabinho, Fabinho basically, basically winning every tackle imaginable. And, of course, Gwenaldum and Henderson, um, as you say, extremely combative, hard-working midfielders. So you can see our Emery saying, we're not going to win that battle in the central midfield position, so we've got to force them out wide. But the problem with Liverpool is that they've got two of the most attacking <laughs> and incisive <laughs> fullbacks in, in the competition. That's so right, it, it's right. all, it, it is it is choosing the lesser of two evils, isn't it? And, and yeah, I, I guess it shows where we are. We, we obviously don't have that midfield strength to combat you and we've got to push you wide, but then you're bloody good there too. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Like you said, I think, you know, Emery's damn no matter which way he goes pretty much. You know, he goes out all out attack, probably ends up getting pumped like last season five. If he goes in a defensive mode um, and tries something different, you hope that, like you said, the Arsenal fans can see the change that has been made. And I, it's refreshing to see Arsenal at least attempt to play in a different way mm. as opposed to try to go toe-to-toe with, you know, without coming across arrogant, but a team that is far far further or further along its development curve than where Arsenal is under Emery. This is only Emery's second season. As I said, Klopp's been there four years. Yep. So, so it's, it's, you, can't you can't really compare, compare the two of them. And as you said as well, Connor, if Pepe or Aubameyang got their chances early on those counter-attacks, it could have been a different story. It could, definitely. It could definitely. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, the only, the only issue you still, still face at Arsenal, Arsenal is, is I still, I still think, think you're quite, quite poor defensively. So, so the goal would have changed things, things, but Liverpool's relentlessness and attack on your goal wouldn't have changed. And unfortunately, with David Luiz, or David Luiz, Sideshow Bob, however you want to describe him, he is either a world beater on his day or a Sunday league player. And I think on Sunday, Saturday, he was the latter. <laughs> well, and, and, and Sanjay, I want to bring you into this because I know that you were very impressed by David Luiz's first half. And it, of course, you, I think yeah. the first 40 minutes, the number of interceptions he made, the number of clearances that he made, he was probably Arsenal's best player by, by country mile. I mean, I was expecting to see more from Pepe, more from Ceballos, you know, because of, you know, their profile, especially the way Ceballos played last week. Pepe, obviously, because of his price tag, the excitement that he brings in. But for me, with the amount of pressure that Liverpool put in the first half, uh, David Luiz was far and away. I mean, his composure on the ball as well, when he had it, uh, he made a couple of, you know, attempts to distribute long, which, you know, I expected him to do as well. And uh, I think he executed one pretty poorly. The second one, he executed reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was overall very impressed with him. His tackling was spot on um he seemed to you know get it he seemed to also be able to command the the midfielders in the right way uh so for the first 40 minutes or so until Liverpool actually that you know goal in the 41st or 42nd minute I thought he was probably Arsenal's best player uh and then obviously 
they went into half time and uh, we're not sure who came out in the second half. You know, it's, with David Luiz, it's always like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You know, one minute he's brilliant and then the next minute um, he'll do something a bit erratic. Yeah. Uh, I think even for the, the penalty that he gave away, I mean, it was the manner in which he gave it away. I think, you know, a penalty can be given away by any defender. So I don't think he was, you know, I mean, he'll get, you know, bagged for giving away that penalty. Uh, but to be honest, had he not given away the penalty, you know, it could have been a free shot at goal for... Um, Salah anyway. So, He's running in Salah. Salah anyway. So, I mean, you know, in that sense, do you take the penalty because you know you're not going to get sent off under the new rules or, you know, do you just let him go and have a shot and potentially score anyway? So, I'm not sure, you know, it was the the worst decision to give away the penalty, but, I mean, it wasn't, you know, the smartest tackle over there, you know. Then obviously the final one for 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 Salah's goal, which I mean that just made him look shocking. But he he was already on a yellow card, so he couldn't have, he couldn't have fouled him. So understandable. But it was the way he approached the tackle, you know, to Salah when you know Salah is going to turn and he's going to use his pace. A player of David Luiz's experience would probably go out there and try and shield the ball. It's kind of similar to what uh, Van Dijk did to Pepe in in the first half. Mm-hmm. In the first half, yeah, the first half, you know, something like even after he'd gone past him is to shield the ball and take him wide. You know, Salah's all left-footed, similar to Pepe. You keep him on his right and keep him, you know, somewhere where he's not going to cause you as much damage. But by committing himself and then literally, you know, having to chase back in in his wake, just looked, it just looked pathetic, to be honest. That was, that was the bit which I thought, ah, yeah, that, you know, he's made a big mistake I there. I agree. I, I didn't have any... Well, Apart from, apart from him being beaten for the second penalty, I, I understood his reflex action, and 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 people are criticising him heavily for that penalty. As you said, it's going to it's going to be a goal anyway. So he was trying to figure out how do I I've been beaten, how do I stop him? Can I get away with this? And he obviously couldn't. But, but yeah, that third one looked really bad, and I, I always think Louise is 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 a victim of him himself trying to be too ambitious sometimes. A, a more negative centre-back defender would have just, just just held them up, you know what I mean? So they stayed that couple of metres off him and just waited for help. But he's always trying to do, especially when we're chasing games, always trying to do the thing that will be creative. And sometimes he is brilliant for it because it's coming off. Sometimes he looks sloppy and lazy when he does it because he, he, he shouldn't have dived in at all, shouldn't have committed on the halfway line to someone that's twice his speed. Um, but yeah, he's we're chasing the game. He's trying to win it. So I think he he's a victim of just trying to do too much sometimes. Um, and you've got to take the positive with negative. And you, you've got to remember, he's only been at Arsenal for a few weeks. <laughs> he's, he's, I don't know what his match fitness is like, you know what I mean? He, he, he's probably mistiming a few things. I, I remember him doing that early season last year at Chelsea. Do you remember that one where he completely looked like he just ran past? Oh, I've forgotten who it is. It was fun. Yes, Tottenham. And it, it, he yeah. went to tackle and he missed him completely and ran five metres past him. ran past him, yeah. That was early in the season, wasn't it? So it was, I, yeah. I wonder if it's more, you get your match fitness, you get your timing and those challenges and you and you get them out of your game early. And hey, he's, he's, he's been pretty good for us so far and he's made a few mistakes on the weekend, but so did a lot of Arsenal players. You guys are being very generous with David Louise, is all I can say. And Sanjay, I will just say one thing. 
your credibility was completely lost the moment you compared Virgil van Dijk to David Luiz. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just looking at two left-footed quick players getting past, you know, the the defenders, and what one did to stop him, and what the other one couldn't do to stop him. I, I was I was actually a, a compliment to Van Dijk in that instance because. Um, I think sometimes Van Dijk, he gets a lot of credit. Sometimes he's absolutely brilliant. But sometimes when goals are conceded, I've noticed that Van Dijk almost sort of like stops running to a certain extent. Mm. And it almost looks like it isn't his mistake. Like Mm. in early season, I've seen a couple of the goals where Liverpool have conceded. And it's almost like he stops trying to a certain extent. Whereas you'd see another defender might just throw their body on the line, etc. And try and, you know, get a block in any way or even if they mistime it, and then they'll be in the frame. Uh, and there was one, I think, last week, not this this current week, but the week before when Liverpool conceded one, and he's, he was berating, I can't remember whether he was berating Adrian or he was berating the defender, uh, even before the ball had hit the net. So it was, it, it was bizarre with him. But he is, a, he's, he is the best defender in the, in, in the division. Uh, just purely from his organizational aspect and also just the sheer confidence that he has. I think that that's key thing, you know, composure in mm. defense is uh, kind of like seeps into the rest of the team. That makes a big difference. Yeah, and that's probably the striking difference between the two of them is one has composure and the other one is prone to craziness, which is why David Luiz splits opinion so massively. Mm. Yeah, he does. Uh, I, 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 I don't think Louise is a natural defender, to be honest. Uh, I, and one of the things that Pat just mentioned, you know, maybe a lesser defender would actually, you know, either shield the shield the you know striker or maybe put the ball in Rosette or do something else, you know, which a defender would generally tend to do. I think David Louise thinks of himself as a player, and he is. He's technically very That's good right. compared to other central defenders or centre halves, you know, traditional ones. And because of that, I think sometimes he he misunderstands what his responsibility in that position should be, which is to defend in the first instance and make sure that, you know, you don't concede a goal. And that's where I think he lacks. Whereas, you know, a good or solid central defender would actually uh, make sure, you know, they don't come out looking good or looking bad. They just want to clear the danger. So it's not about, you know, how composed I am and the ego kind of like disappears. And that's where I think sometimes he comes across as, you know, oh, you know, he tries too hard or does something which ends up making him look, you know, a little bit silly at times. So essentially then he's, he's, composure, just not, he's just not a centre-back. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he is a centre-back. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he is composed. He just makes the wrong decisions. That's what Sanjay's saying. Because Arsenal's defence looks a lot more composed with him in there. The, the passing around is a lot more relaxed and less haphazard. Although, although I watch Norwich, and I, and, and I reckon... How do you, and, how and, do you and, come and, to uh, that conclusion? What do you mean? From watching the game? From watching the game, you thought Arsenal's defending was composed. For, for th- The game is not 40 minutes long. The game's 90 minutes long. So if you were composed yeah, for we, 40 we minutes... Con. Okay, Con, we unraveled. We, we said the first half was different to the second half. Yeah, but then, Pat, you guys justified you, you justified David Luiz's decision to pull at Mohamed Salah's shirt. That decision to do that, you know, had he just let him go through and score the goal, he doesn't have a yellow. Then, theoretically, the play goes on. 
that third goal, he effectively is able to make a challenge on Salah. So his stupidity in that first decision to pull him back in that instance directly results in the next goal being conceded because he's basically put himself in a hole to take himself from making a decision to, to make a tackle. So, so you're saying just, the just guy is just there's no composure. There's uh, you're saying he just made one mistake which exacerbated, which, which caused yeah, the second error. Yeah, I don't know I'm if I quite that agree with that directly one. went into the third goal because he couldn't yeah. do anything to stop that third goal based on it what does. he had done in the second. But had, you know, uh, taking a step back, had he, you know, committed that foul and then Salah or whoever took the penalty ends up missing the penalty, then you think of it, yep, I've taken one for the team and at the same time, cynical as it may be, so it's still only 1-0. I don't think David Luiz has a brain to think that far. <laughs> <laughs> to be pl- planning ahead that if he takes him out and takes a yellow and he misses, it, that was just an idiotic decision from a player at that level. It can't be justified. In my opinion, anyway. Well, where to now for Arsenal then, Con? You're, you're having a bit of fun here. So, so tell me, where, what do they need to do? Are they on the right path? So let me, let me get it right. Louise is an improvement of what you've had before. And as you said, Pat, I do agree. He's a stopgap. So he's 32 years old. I don't see a vast improvement overall defensively from Arsenal. I think where your strengths are are top. And you're going to be a team that just needs to outscore the other team in order to win games. Because even though Louise comes in, um, and probably, I think, who's the player? Mustafi, is that the one you're getting rid of? Or that's basically fallen to the wayside because of him? Um, he's slightly a technically, he's a far technically better player than Mustafi. But I just feel that you guys will have to score plenty of goals up top because you're going to concede a lot of goals at the same time. I also don't think your midfield is quite ready for the... There's some talented players in there, like your Terreras and your Ganduzis. They are very talented players. Just don't think you're quite ready for the battle of the Premier League. And I'm talking about challenging um, and making you know the, that top four place with ease. I think it'll be a fight between United and, uh, and Arsenal for that fourth spot. Speaking of Manchester United... I think uh, I think that's one of my what the football moments. Have a listen to this guys on one of the talking topics that I'd like to discuss with you. Yeah, you have to have one person who knows it is their responsibility so they spend extra time working on it, but like I said they have to own that situation and it doesn't matter off day whether you're not having the best game or whatever you ma- mentally prepared mm. that that is your situation and that is your responsibility for the team. So we are no no doubt talking about the Manchester United penalty taker situation and all the journalists have completely jumped on this and a, a slamming Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for poor leadership, weak management, for having multiple penalty takers and not having just one designated penalty taker. That was, by the way, Melissa Reddy from the Headline Makers on Optusport. Headline Makers making headlines for all the wrong reasons, in my opinion. But the she is very strong that you have the one penalty taker. And no matter if that penalty taker is having a bad day, he knows he has to step up and take it. Now, have you guys, you guys have both played soccer. Have you ever been in the, uh, been a penalty taker for your team? 
Yep. Yep. And were you the only penalty taker in that team? No. No? Con? I don't have an issue with what uh, multiple penalty takers, yeah. I don't either. I was a midfield player, so you generally expect the forward to take the penalties or the centres forward to take the penalties. But if the centre forward, for any reason, would not take a penalty, I was always willing to take a penalty. So Mm. um, I don't see any issue with having more than one penalty taker. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you both agree. Actually, I'm not glad because I wanted to have a fight with somebody. But (laughs) they are really trying to make this into something that it's not. They are, yeah. And as, I as I mean, I, I also have been in the penalty uh, responsibilities with, and there's always two or three guys at the club that are possibly as good as each other at taking penalties. There's probably another two or three or four guys who think they should be taking penalties. So, so you've got to get it down. The, the coach manager's got to get it down to the top one, two or three. And, and, and often exactly what has happened with Manchester United would happen at any club, that the the forward that wins a penalty would often have first dibs at saying, yep, I'm feeling good, I'll take it. I want it, I'll take it. Mm. It's just a normal thing that happens. And it's also normal that if you get hurt in the challenge or you, you, you get a corky or if you're cramping a bit or if you're just having a dog of a game and mentally you're going, I'm just not feeling up to taking penalty. I'm, not, I'm, I'm exhausted, mentally exhausted. I'm not playing well. I just don't feel confident at the moment. You do the team thing and you say, listen, do you want to take it? Because I'm, I'm just not feeling up to it right now. And, and you hand it over to your, your, your striking partner or your midfielder, as Sanjay said. I, I, don't, I don't understand what the, all the furor is about this. The only problem is, is that they missed. <laughs> they well, that's the problem. The only thing. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> and that's given the media a story to cling on to. At the end of the day, my view on penalties is, you can have your designated takers, um, and maybe it's one or two or three, but ultimately it comes down to who's got the confidence to actually step up to the plate when the matter counts. And if a player feels that they have that ability, then so be it. Just make sure you score. But it is becoming a bit of a problem, Sanjay. Um, just like scoring goals in regular play as a striker especially, it's a it's a largely a confidence and self belief thing. Penalties can become a massive confidence issue. Too... I think they can. I think they can. But uh, looking at the situation at the moment, I don't think they. I mean, both of them have missed one penalty each, which in you know a footballer's career they're going to miss a penalty at some point in time. Anyway, even the greatest penalty taker is about to miss one at some point in time. So looking at the looking at the two penalties, you know, had they missed the target completely and, you know, hit it out wide over the bar, you know, out of the side of the post or something like that, then you could say, well, you know, the players are lacking confidence. The first one was a pretty good save. Okay, albeit it was at a decent height for a keeper to save, but it was still struck well. Uh, it wasn't one of those where, you know, he had one of his silly run-ups with, this is Pogba on, uh, from last week where, you know, he took you know, one of those eternities to get to the ball, address the ball and actually then kick the ball. Had he been, you know, had he missed on that basis, you know, he would have been canned for, you know, panned for that sort of, you know, penalty taking. Uh, Rashford's penalty was just pure, purely unlucky. He struck it well, keep, sent the keeper the wrong way, hit the inside of the post. On any given day, it could have gone straight in. 
<laughs> he was just unfortunate that he flew across the goal, didn't hit the keeper, and went out for a throw-in or a co- uh, or a goal kick on the other side. Uh, on any other day, it could have hit the goalkeeper and gone in, hit the post and gone in. So I don't think there's anything wrong with his penalty. I mean, it just didn't go in on the day. Yeah, I mean, people with penalties, as you say, I just worry that. Well, I don't worry. It doesn't keep me up at night. But but people have asked night. I worry that the pressure is going to be heightened next time either of them step up to it with everything that's happened. I think it's it could become a bit of a an ongoing issue unless unless they actually put a couple in the net pretty soon. Well, I think I'm sure they'll be at training this week, just taking penalties and putting them in the back of the net. I come game day, I'm sure once the next one's in, it, it won't be you know much of a talking point. I think the main thing over there was because United played reasonably well in both games, the media didn't have much to talk about other than the penalty. Uh, I didn't have much to much problem with uh, Rashford's penalty. As you said, he was unlucky. Mm-hmm. What I noticed about Pogba's though, and, and you mentioned his cagey run-up of previous seasons, which I didn't have an issue with because I liked what he was doing in that he was keeping his eyes on the keeper and seeing where the keeper was moving. In this run, in this one where he just did the more deliberate run-up, he actually was just looking down at the ball the whole time. And and as a as a regular penalty taker, you need to have some some part of your vision on the keeper. I mean that that keeper keeper dove or dived fairly early in Pogba's shot. And Pogba was just obviously concentrating on hitting it where he wanted to hit it with power. And the keeper guessed right. The best penalty takers in the world, they have half an eye on where the keeper's going. And if the keeper dives a fraction early, they just slot it in, pass it in the other side. Uh, I, so I've got a bit of a worry with that technique that he was using, which caused him to miss it. But yeah, Rashford, I think, is more, a more natural penalty taker and he seems to seems to do it really easily. Yeah, I think Pogba just fancies himself as a penalty taker. I don't think he is the best penalty I mean, the thing when you when you watch Rashford take a penalty, he has a much more natural tendency to take the penalty. Usually, put it into a corner, and he just seems to strike the ball solidly. Seems more composed anyway. Uh, Pogba has got a little bit more of the mind games to it, uh, and obviously, I think the way he strikes the ball, I don't think he strikes the ball with as as cleanly as uh, Rashford does. So, I think that makes a difference as well. Um, and I think Rashford from, I mean, he's only had two or three penalties. Most of them he's put into the top corner anyway, which means that, you know, as a keeper and one who's diving, you're not going to have much chance if the penalty's on target, you know, even if you dive in the right direction. Whereas Pogba's penalties tend to be either hit lower or in the middle um, of the goal. So if the keeper dives the right way, I think he's got a better chance of actually getting a hand on it. Yeah. Do we have any more moments you want to bring up, Sanjay? Did you have one? Uh, so I, my moments were actually not moments from the weekend. It was more about the results. I was surprised to see the number of away wins this particular weekend. I think there were only two home wins and possibly one draw out of all the matches. All the other games seemed to be away wins, which was kind of like my moment of, from the weekend was uh, just the surprise of the number of away wins this particular week. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it did screw up the tipping, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, okay. I'm just wondering if there's a trend with that. Is it just a a, a, a one week thing, an aberration, or do you think teams in moving to the larger stadiums are getting less of a home ground advantage? No, I think I think most teams would prefer playing at home, and they do have the home ground advantage. You'll see that from you know the number of shots on target. You see that from the uh, possession stats, okay, possession stats aren't the greatest, but I think number of shots on target or shots off target, you know, show more domination of a match uh, in during the match. Um, and in both the cases, I think United's case, obviously, as well as uh, Tottenham's, they dominate, both teams dominated the matches, but just ended up on the losing side. Um, with Man City, it doesn't matter whether they play at home or away, they're, you know, they're one of those teams that are going to potentially go out to win every single game. Liverpool at the moment as well are playing in the same sort of vein. So, I mean, Liverpool were probably the exception because they were playing at home. So they were the ones that were going to probably get that home result. Uh, The other surprising result was from Friday night where uh, Villa turned over uh, Everton, which was a surprise for me because I expected Everton to actually, well, come out with at least a draw, if not a win at at Villa Park. Yeah, I thought they'd thump them. Yeah, Everton are just going nowhere slowly to me. They seem to invest in these players and have talk about potentially breaking into the top six every season and then they just flatter to deceive every single season. Oh, yeah, that was well, a very poor result for them against Villa. Well, if you're buying former Gunner players who are not making the top four anyway, it's a bit difficult for to get them into an Everton and then suddenly you know aim for a top six spot and as it is... Uh, Maybe, maybe not. They might still do it. I think they've invested with quite a few players. I think they still lack a centre forward. Um, and had they invested well with a, you know, goal-scoring centre forward, then they might be in a different situation. It's a Moises, the new forward. Is he not doing it for you? Uh, I don't think he is. And Calvert Lewin as well. I think he holds the ball up reasonably well, plays some decent football as well. I just don't rate them as you know, uh, out there top top six goal scorers at the moment uh, from what I've seen this season. Cavett-Lewin does does everything awesome except actually score goals. Well, exactly. And that's what you want from your number nine to score goals. (laughs) The problem with your striker, yeah. Um, And I'll tell you what, you can play a game of where's Gilfie. Yeah, but you ever played the game where's Wally? (laughs) It's where's Gilfie. He's become the anonymous man. He's... Mm. I used to have so much time for that guy. You watch an Everton game, you just cannot see him. He has zero presence in the game, zero influence, I, which is pretty sad. I, I don't know what's going on with him. And is that because of Gomez taking on so much more responsibility? Because, you know, in complete opposite to where's Gilfie, you almost see where Gomez is, and he's pretty much everywhere. I mean, they conceded the goal the other day, and he was, you know, the right there in central defence. And when they were up front, you know, attacking, he was right there as well. So he seems to be like the player that's almost taken that responsibility from yeah, and, and Rich Allison's taken over the more striking role and uh, and he's, yeah, maybe he's just trying to find his spot. He just He's drifting around that midfield, not getting involved much. They're well, Rich Allison to... has played on the right wing this week and he completely struggled on... <laughs> I mean, last season he, he played well from, you know, coming off the side, but uh, on Friday for some reason he just seemed to be struggling with well, I'm not sure what he was. Maybe he's just off form or still tired from, you know, playing in the Copa America. But he just didn't seem to be, you know, the Richarlison from last season, to be honest. Uh, quite disappointed with 
the way he was playing. Well, it's time for a bit of fun, guys. <laughs> Alexis at the back post, but it's Messi! Are you kidding me? This is off the charts again! Brilliant the only way that he can do it! Whatever you need, a fireman! Messi's the man to call! So this is a segment where I play a clip and Con and Sanjay sitting in for Liam who attempt to guess who it is and what it's all about. Um, now, Sanjay, Con won week one, Liam won week two, controversially. Very controversial. Yeah, I, I, I sort of got a bit carried away. I gave mm. Liam an extra point when he guessed a difficult one and it kind of lost by half a point, which is devastating for everyone. And... <laughs> so, so you've got to be quick. Con's very good at getting in quick. So don't don't start don't 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 start wasting twenty words when you just know the answer. Don't say, "Oh, I think it is." Just say it because Con will just jump yeah, right. right. Done that already a few times. You should just give him the <laughs> answer, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> take. We'll start off with an easy one. was a bit like a thunderstorm with several lightnings. Sadly, just one lightning uh, crashes in the first half, and in the second half we were then also unbelievably effective, and I think without any doubt, uh, well deserved. <laughs> told you it was easy. <laughs> I love that bloody voice. I just... Lightning crashes. I'll play it again for you. Again. Like a thunderstorm with several lightnings, certainly just one lightning uh, crashes in the first half and the second half we were then also unbelievably effective and I think without any doubt uh, well deserved. Is this Norwich? Yes. Norwich manager? What's his name? Da- Daniel Park. <laughs> Daniel Park. Ah, <laughs> oh, Sanjay, we always have that <laughs> on, on the, the Park football podcast. Um, yes, so half a point each. And it was, it was when, for the extra point. I don't know, the Chelsea game? Wrong. <laughs> of course I'm wrong. It the played. Liverpool game. Wrong. It, it was, was a game in between. This <laughs> is the game they won. <laughs> no, Newcastle, no more bonus points for either of you. Half a point each. And about how beautifully they played, comparing to lightning crashing, a storm with lightning and the lightning with the goals is very poetic. Okay. What did Sanjay get half a point for? It was a Norwich manager. You just, like a hyena, you just fed on the scraps. <laughs> Mate, you got to... The, the question was, who said it? This, the name is in the, the proof is in the pudding, mate. You've got to say the name. <laughs> I'm going to penalise you half a point if you don't. <laughs> We're going to move on to another, quite an easy one. Here we go. I'm going to play that again. Holy Moses. Now, did you hear what was being chanted by this this person in the crowd? It sounded like messy, messy, but it obviously isn't that. 
Do you want a clue? I wouldn't mind one. It was pretty, yeah, it was hard to make up. It's chatting Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie. It's been doing the rounds on Twitter, this. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie. That leads goal for... Oh, Sanjay, keep going. This could be good. Keep going. Eddie Nikitia for Gunnersport. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Ken That's scoring the winner for Leeds. And who, who, who shouted it? Ooh, who shouted it? You got, who, you got who's, it, it who's it from? The Leeds? Leeds well, it'll probably be an Arsenal player, but is it, uh, who would be there? Let's see. So to set the scene, Eddie Nekecha from Arsenal on loan at Leeds came on and scored the winning goal in this day. Oba? No, I'll give you, I'll play it one more time and see if you can recognise his very famous Arsenal voice. Ian Wright. Ian Wright, yeah. Yes, yeah, Ian Wright. <laughs> yes. uh, Ian Wright took the trip to Leeds to watch online striker Eddie and Ketcher, and he was up in the bleachers yelling and screaming like a fan. There we Gee, go. I had no clue. Love Ian Wright. <laughs> Does anyone not love Ian Wright, seriously? No, I love him, actually. I'm watching him right now on the TV. Uh, he's just, just such a fair dinkum, passionate bloke. Um, He's been on the pies this year, hasn't he? He has. Oh, my word. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if I can say that, but he just, uh, from last season. He's blown (laughs) up. There's no doubt about it. He's (laughs) he's enjoying punditry, that's for sure. I think so. Yeah, so so it's dead even still. Sanjay, you are far better competition than Liam, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Let's see how we go the next one. <laughs> but I've just used up my beginner's luck right the first one. You know what I really like you, Sanjay? You paved the way for me to jump in and give the answer for a point. Yeah, you, you give away too much. You, you set the scene for Con and he comes in. This one will be, I think this one will be hard unless you've probably seen a second. Here we go. Because if you look at Arsenal, doesn't have to make the game. They can allow them to make the game, sit back, and they are the perfect team for a perfect counter-attack. Yeah. If you have so much space in your team, you understand? Pep, he, he comes into the Pepe comes into a, in, into a side where he already has two forwards that are lightning fast, and then you bring Mario Malkiat to that team. Oh, <laughs> team I don't have to let the thing. I didn't even know you could dive in early. <laughs> well, you didn't say dive in before. <laughs> But what's it about, Sanjay? Quick. What's it about? He's talking uh, about the front three of Arsenal. Pepe, Obama Yang, and Lacazette. Almost. Well, the front two. Lacazette turned up as a sub, didn't he? No. No, Jed, this was I'll, play the rest. I'll play the rest of the segment. This is from halfway through. Look at Liverpool, Firmino, Mane, and Salah. We always like, oh, man, they got it all going. Arsenal could be identical to that setup and making people... He's be comparing better. the front three of each team. I feel like just as he said, the space between, be, behind the Liverpool defence, that should be exposed by Arsenal if they want to win the game. We are talking about at the start of the podcast. Is he talking, is he talking about the high line of Liverpool's defence? No. I don't, I don't remember us talking about that at the start of the podcast. 
is talking about the threat of the front three from Arsenal in comparison to Liverpool or or no game over I'm giving you no more points <laughs> and wins he was talking about Arsenal hitting him on the counter attack sitting back then right. forward and then bombing it long to the three I can't believe he actually compared your front three to Liverpool's front three. <laughs> that was, again, a, a laugh right there. But I am anyway. going to say something. I'm going to say something about Nico Pepe. I tell you what, when I know it didn't come off and he fluffed his chance, blah, 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 but he 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 was reminiscent of Thierry Henry when he got going. I, I looked at him going, man. I, I remember Henry came in and, and he, he missed – for the first five games, he missed every goal he shot. And I thought, oh, this guy's awesome, but he can't shoot. He learned how to shoot. Mm. Pepe just looks to have that. When when he got goal side of Liverpool's defence, you, you guys just couldn't catch it. He's lightning. And he is, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's potential there. They're not there yet, obviously, but yeah, Obama, Young, Lacazette and Pepe. It's potential, be. I agree, yeah. I do agree. Well, congratulations. Do you think you'll play the front three together? It'll be, yeah, horses for courses. And, and I, I like that. I like the fact that he changes things up for different teams. And I think he had Liverpool guessing for the first half an hour. Just a little, not quite guessing, but a little bit uncertain until Klopp had adapted, possibly in the second half. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that he'll he'll mix and match and against against teams who, who he thinks will have more midfield dominance. He'll play, he'll play, the, he'll play all three of them. Yeah, well done, Sanjay. That was well, uh, thanks, back. Points to one and a half point. Excellent. <laughs> but <clears throat> I tell you what, this is what the fans come and listen to this podcast for. It is con segment. Who the f is that? That's right. That's right. Back again. Welcome, Sanjay. Welcome. Thank to you. The uh, hottest, most uh, intriguing segment here, where everybody tries to guess who the player is. Pat, you need to close out this week to be. August's champion, mate. So a lot of pressure on you, actually, after your massive comeback last week. Especially Sanjay, with Sanjay here. Yeah, well, Sanjay's going to be playing on Liam's behalf for this week, and Liam is four points behind uh, behind Pat Sanjay, so all rests on you to stop Pat from winning. I actually don't know what's worse, a Man United fan <laughs> winning or an Arsenal fan, so either way, I'm screwed. Okay, are we ready? So the rules are, Sanjay, I'll ask a question. There's 10 clues. After every clue, you have a pop at who you think it is. The sooner you get it, the more points you get. The more questions I ask, the less points you get. Okay? Okay. So here we go. Clue number one. My middle name is Maurice, and I was born on the 10th of August, 1971. Yeah, right. No, good guess. Jeez, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> you thought he had a first card. Yeah, I thought I'm, I'm, 
pounds and four points up to six points <laughs> What do you reckon, Pat? That name sounds familiar. It does, Boy. doesn't it? I I, I know. Um, oh, so mm, I, I'm not going to give a guess now. Cause I'm just going to. Otherwise, I'll give Sanjay a hint. So I'll, I'll go on. You're going to pass, okay? I'll pass. That's all right. I am considered the joint most successful footballer of all time in my country specifically, having won 19 major trophies in my club career. Glenn... You're going to say Glenn Hoddle, I'll stop you right there. I was going to, but <laughs> I realised it was a dumb guess. <laughs> yeah. I was asking you to pass. Sanja, what do you reckon? Oh, 19 major trophies. And I have to call time, yeah? And another pass, wow. The pundits are having a tough time tonight, people. Only two clues in. Jeez. Two clues in, but not even any guesses. This is the first on what the who the football am I? Okay, clue number three. I have also served. Oh, sorry, I have served as an assistant manager, as well as a head coach. So remember, you have to draw the links from the previous clues. So if you don't remember the previous clues, it's on you. Roy Kane. Oh, my Lord. You have got it, Pat. (laughs) 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 You have got it. And the best part about that was you beat a Man United player to probably one of their greatest (laughs) legends to ever play for them. So you should take extra kudos for that. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, You're on good. fire. You're on fire. That was only clue number three. Yeah. I, I want you to ask your partner if she got that one. Yeah, I, I will. Because what, what happened last week, Sanjay? I was on cloud nine. I, I guess Michael Owen after two clues. And I was about to go to bed feeling really happy with myself. And then Con messaged me and said, oh, my wife got that after two clues as well. It just took it off a bit. I doubt you'll get this one, mate. I think you're safe. Don't worry. What were the other clues then? The other clues, just to top it off, I have won numerous Premier League titles, an FA Cup, a Champions League, a Scottish Premier League, and a Scottish Cup. Regarded as one of the best midfielders of my generation, in 2004, I was named by Pele in the FIFA 100 list for the world's greatest living players. A direct quote from my autobiography. Pat, I hope you can. I hope you can bleep what I'm about to say out. But this is a direct quote from Roy Keane's biography. I'd waited long enough. I fucking hit him hard. The ball was there. I think. Take that, you cunt. Don't ever stand over me. Don't ever stand over me sneering about fake injuries. You know, I to do that one. Alf, Alfinger Holland. Yes. 
You get two points for that guess. Knowing who it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a good one. I was voted in the team of the century, 1907 to 2007, and was, was um, put into the English Hall of Fame in 2004. I was a dominating box-to-box -box midfielder, noticed, noted for my aggressive and highly competitive style in play. In 2007, the Times placed me at number 11 in their list of the 50 hardest footballers in history. I am Irish, and I am a complete and absolute lunatic. I am Roy Keane. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, Lovely. well done. So, well done, Pat. Seven points to Pat and two points, bonus points for Sanjay. So this is a big one. Pat, you go to 17 points. And Liam's on a paltry eight. So no pressure, Sanjay, but you pretty much need to guess this player on the first clue. No, he's got to guess uh, it before you give the first clue. That gives him 10 pretty... Any guesses? It's like a wild stab in the dark, right? No, no guesses. For 10 points, come on, for the win. For the win. Just take a player. Go. Alan Shearer. No. Nice guess. Okay, so here we go. Player two. Unfortunately, why it's not Alan Shearer is because I am still currently playing and I wear the number 10. I was born on the 2nd of June, 1988. Don't all guess at once, guys. Ooh. The pressure. 22 years old. 21. There goes my maths. Twenty-one, nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I should have just left it. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> That's the second clue you've given, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no guesses. I want to guess. I just can't think of anyone. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're one clue down. Yes, my playing, style, <laughs> my playing style is characterized by agility, acceleration, strength, and I've been described as being sharp and clever. Messi. No. Is Messi Who was that? Aubameyang? No. Okay, so two down. I have won the Copa del Rey, the Super Cup, the Europa League, the EPL, the FA Cup, the League Cup, Olympic Gold, and the Under-20 World Cup. Was it just repeat that? Or what did he win? The Copa del Rey? Copa del Rey, Super Cup, Europa League, EPL, FA Cup, League Cup, Olympic Gold, and Under-20 World Cup. So now European Champions League. That's correct. Does it, is it a Premier League? Does it have to be a Premier League player or can it be any player? Uh, this is generally based off the Premier League players. 
Uh, well, I was going to guess Luka Modric. Would that be a wasted guess if I did that? Your vote is in. I can confirm that is incorrect. Uh. Sanjay, anything? Three, two, one. Aguero? Hey, Sanjay <laughs> with the one. Picking out his closest and near neighbor rival, Sergio Aguero. That is the correct answer. Well done, Sanjay. Nice, strong yes, finish. Window dressing. window dressing on the August winner. Yes, we have an August winner. I'll give off the remaining clues. I'm the all-time top scorer at Manchester City with 235 goals. I have a nickname from an anime cartoon character, which is where I'm known as Kun. I have played for three clubs across three continents in my football career. I'm currently the sixth highest goal scorer in Premier League history, and I'm the highest non-European scorer in the history of the Premier League with 166 goals in the division. I have never won the World Cup despite playing alongside arguably the greatest player in the history of the game. I am Sergio Aguero. Well done. Well done, Sanjay. You've broken your duck, you. and you got a cool seven points. So, congratulations! But Pat is the winner. Well done, Pat. <laughs> well done, Pat. <laughs> Thanks, Sanjay. Gee, I'm glad I got that other one early. Tell you what, Pat, I must I must commend you. After a very slow start to that segment in round one, <laughs> you managed to guess and put a record in for who the who the football is that and guessing number two after two clues and now number you went to three clues so mate you are setting the trend that's for sure let's see if liam can respond next month i think so well that, that's the end of our show boys well done um thanks for listening everyone uh we'd love to hear from you on twitter or facebook so twitter at wt underscore football facebook at wt football podcast Leave us a tweet or a message. Give us a few ideas for what you think your WTF moments are, and we will read them out on the next podcast. Have a good week and go the Gunners, and we will see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Frank. Thank you,